You're experiencing the Authentic Chaos Podcast, an exploration to our inner selves and journeys of self-discovery. I'm your host, Vahagan Yarnosian. And to continue our February dating series, I have a friend of mine, Lucas Chauffonnier. Yeah. Hi, glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So, Lucas, what's been exciting you in 2023? Oh, uh, the thought of community. Um, so I'm working really hard to work on building community in Seattle and sort of solve this issue of Seattle freeze, um, especially since people our age um, are facing uh, loneliness more and more. Um, it's kind of awkward description, but like um, loneliness is yeah. is sort of like this thing that's affecting a lot of us because of the p- pandemic that we're coming out of. Um, you know, it's causing more and more anxiety and depression among young people, uh, especially since a lot of us moved around during the pandemic. Um, and now we're kind of moving on from pandemic life and we sort of kind of forgotten what it's like to socialize. And so building up that community, uh, again, is kind of really exciting to me. I love that. I think community is like, obviously, uh, humans have been built around communities since as long as we've been uh, like a, a species, even probably before a species. So it's like really an innate part of the human experience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think any community builder is definitely praiseworthy. <laughs> Um, but so before we go too deep into like building community and dating, especially, um, so you mentioned the Seattle freeze and I would like you to define that, not just for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the Seattle freeze, but also for those who are, because I've heard various definitions and I feel like you've thought about this for a while. My my initial reaction to that question was going to be the Seattle freeze is I think different to everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. you can ask people, what is the Seattle freeze? And they'll say, oh, it's people are just unfriendly or it's um, just like people are very cold. Um, but I've also asked other people and the Seattle freeze is more like, oh, you go and talk to someone and you say hi and you seem very friendly and then you try and engage with that person and then you never hear from them again. And so yeah. they sort of ice you out. Um, but to me, I think the Seattle freeze is uh, a myth. I don't think it's a real thing. I think that a lot of people move here thinking about the Seattle freeze and that is a thing and they sort of perpetuate this idea. Um, and I think going into making friends or, you know, exploring your social community, um, with that kind of view sort of puts the Seattle freeze on yourself. Um, and so I think if people were to just like assume that that didn't exist and they went and they just talked to someone and had, um, you know, a normal conversation, they'd find that, uh, it's a lot easier to make friends here, uh, than you would think. So. Hmm. I, I definitely think that's a, a valid point. I think it, it is a lot of it, like just culturally un, like, it's kind of like an understood assumption and it kind of perpetuates that way. Cause you know, Seattle is a growing, very fast growing city. There have been so many people that have moved here in the past, like 10 years. Yeah. So the culture that if this was like a culture that was of unique to the people in Seattle, then we would expect it to change. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe there's something innate that people are like, that it's loud, like giving people permission to, to unleash or to like 
give into some of those like temptations of like, oh, I want to stay to my own social circle. So I'm going to use the excuse of this culture that isn't my fault. I, I do. I think that actually is very valid. I think, um, you know, uh, Seattle is a city of transplants. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people we move here. We're not from here. Um, and then you interact with the people that are from here. And those people sort of have this natural built in community from just growing up here, right? Yeah. Like they went to school with their friends. They're still hanging out with those people. Um, people have limited capacity for deep friendships. So like, I don't think, um, it's easy to say like you grew up with all these people, you've been with them and then to invite new friends in it's, it's hard. I think there's a disconnect, but I also think that that's true in any city I've lived in New York city. I've lived in uh, London. I've lived in Washington, DC. I've lived in Seattle. Like that premise is there all the time. Um, yeah. and I, I see the same problems in those cities that I see here. We've just given it a name. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good point. I, I don't think it's anything unique about the water in any of these places <laughs> or the air. I think it's just, you know, people sometimes, like you said, like earlier on, like we are, we are slowly becoming more disconnected from people and it's creating this kind of lonely existence. And I think people are so used to that, that they kind of assume it's the only existence that they have. Oh, for sure. And I think it's, it's hard to go from like just sitting in at home watching TV, you know, being all cozy and then having to put yourself out there and yeah. remember how to interact with people, how to have your self-confidence when you're talking to strangers. Um, it's, it's not easy to, to adapt. Um, no, certainly not. But like, so you, so you have this community that you've built, mm-hmm. the Seattle Social Club. Yep. And um, I imagine you've gone through trials and tribulations to like try to understand how to make things work. So let's talk about that. How, uh, how, what are some of your philosophies on building this community? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So a little bit about the community, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. uh, last year, I, you know, I had lived here for a year. Um, I had joined a lot of social groups um, mm-hmm. through Meetup and all that stuff. Um, and I found that like those are effective, um, but they're highly interest based. It's always like, you know, we're a group of people that like to hike. We're a group of people that like to party. We're a group of people that like to rock climb, all that kind of stuff. And I am uh, super ADHD. I have lots of hobbies mm-hmm. and I don't like to do the same thing over and over. So I like to vary kind of the groups that I'm in. Yeah. There was really hard for me to find friends that were interested in sort of a lot of different things. Um, and then also through working in these groups, you know, I heard a lot of like, it's so hard to meet people in this city. I really want to meet people, um, both in dating and in friendship. And in my head, I was just thinking like, I keep hearing this over and over and like, you can't have this many people that are, seem to be good people Mm -hmm. saying all of this and then also say that Seattle's unfriendly. So like, yeah, right. <laughs> like that, those are kind of opposites. So I think it's just a matter of putting people in the room, give them the reason mm-hmm. to show up, give them a reason that is not um, necessarily uh, based around a common interest, but just like we're here to meet people uh, mm-hmm. and see what happens. Um, so in my community building, I focus on two pillars. I focus on friendship. I focus on dating. Um, and what I try and do is focus it on an event where you're just having fun with a group of strangers. So like I do board game nights, I mm-hmm. do things like speed friending, speed dating. Um, these are like focused activities that people can show up 
they can focus on whatever the event is and get introduced to all these new people. So it's a matter of just getting people in the room together that are looking and are open for these friendships or these dates yeah. um, and just seeing what builds from there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, so let, I want to focus more on the dating sure. aspect of yeah. it. Um, so do you feel like when people say that they are, uh, it's hard to meet people, is it just in the friendship context or is it, do they also feel that way in the dating context? Uh, definitely in the dating context, if mm. more so. Um, I hear a lot of things about the, the dating world in general. Um, I hear a lot of it about the dating world in Seattle in particular. We're a city that is focused on a lot of uh, tech companies. And yeah. People don't want to date a lot of people from those companies for whatever reason. Um, and so there's a lot of sort of preconceived notions that I sometimes think are a little bit invalid. Um, so I think that's a roadblock. As a, as a former tech yeah. company employee, like I, I totally get it. Um, I've had people like roll their eyes at me when I told them that I worked for Amazon. Um, and I've had many uh, women that I've dated who are like, I can't like who kind of when they got to know me were like, I can't really see you being that tech bro. But like, <laughs> yeah, I have the same experience. I work in tech. Yeah, right? I don't talk about it a lot. So yeah. People are surprised. I don't. Um, and that's the thing. I don't yeah. talk about my job, my yeah. work either, because it's not really a big part of who I am. And I suspect similar with you. Oh, absolutely. It's so I can pay for my hobbies. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think there's like there are good people out there that work for these companies, but like there's yeah. this sort of overwhelming belief that like I want to avoid those kind of people. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think you know everyone's on the dating apps these days because it's mm -hmm. like how do you get through a pandemic where you can't go out and meet people? Well, you meet people through the dating apps. Well, people were meeting people through the dating apps before the pandemic too. They were, but I think during the pandemic it really kind of skyrocketed. I don't have mm -hmm. numbers for that, so I could be totally wrong. But I mean, it, it sounds yeah. it sounds yeah. reasonable, but like I don't have numbers on that either. Yeah. Uh, I know that I had been using like like the dating apps before the pandemic, um, like back in 2015, 2014, 2015. Yeah. And then again, after the pandemic. Um, so I guess I I may have seen some slight differences mm -hmm. in like how the dating world changed a bit. Yeah. Um, and I have actually noticed some differences even in the short period from the pandemic to now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think in general, like people were used to meeting people in the real world and yeah. on the dating apps. And now we're shifting more towards the dating apps um, or the opposite where people are shifting away from dating apps and yeah. only want to do stuff in person. I feel like there was a period yeah. like uh, maybe l like early last year up until summer where everyone wanted to meet in person. Oh, like, and that was the place to meet. But then I feel like something shifted, at least in Seattle, at least from my limited experience where like people started to, and maybe it's because like it started to get fall and people around here are definitely very weather dependent. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so they'll use the weather to determine their mood and like whether or not they want to be open to new like connections. So even if you have a nice chat with someone, they'll be like, I don't really want to like talk to you anymore after this. Like, yeah. I don't want your number. Like, yeah. I don't want your name. <laughs> um, but um, so how do you how do you melt the freeze? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, how do you melt the freeze? Uh, well, I think step one is you provide the space and the location, right? You mm -hmm. like, well, I guess, are we talking on a group level or are we talking on individual level? Um, 
That's a good question. Uh, let's split it up. Okay. Let's, cool. uh, yeah, so tackle whichever one yeah. you want first. Okay, I think individual level, uh, and again, I'm not an expert on this. Like, this is just stuff, yeah. like, this is my experience. Um, and no one's an expert in yeah. this. Let's yeah, be, like, let's I be real. I don't have yeah. degrees in social psychology. I don't, yeah. you know. I um, feel like the best thing you can get is just multiple lived experiences. Absolutely. Like, that's why we read, that's why we ask for people for advice, so maybe, one of our listeners will take some, hear something and be like, huh, I hadn't really thought about that. All right, cool. So I can give my framework and my yeah. approach. Um, so I think step one is pretend like the freeze doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Go into every interaction as if this is a stranger, this is someone who may be open to connection. They may not, right? Yeah. Like everyone is in a different state of mind. Everyone's going through different things. You might just hit someone on a bad day when they're just, they're not up for it. Um, mm -hmm. So approach your interactions as if Seattle Freeze doesn't exist and the person is open for connection. Then, you know, start with like, you know, like I, I like to test this out on strangers. So when I'm walking down the street, mm -hmm. I'll say hello to people sometimes. And sometimes you get kind of like a weird look. Other times, you know, people are like, oh, thanks. Same to you. Um, or like at the grocery store, I'll always be like, have a great day. Like, hope it's a great one. And yeah. like what I find funny about that, like moving here especially, was that like, when I started doing that, people were always surprised. Oh, yeah. Like, like <laughs> yes. What? what? <laughs> One, what they're surprised that you're you're a stranger even yeah. talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two, they're probably surprised that you're wishing them goodwill. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, that tells me that there is maybe something people are not used to here. Yeah. Um, but you'd be surprised at how open and receptive people are by starting with something like that. Um, so I think that's definitely one thing start with like small interactions small things not every social interaction has to lead somewhere like definitely yeah. throw out divorce yourself from the outcome for sure yeah um, and that's true in meeting people or dating anything divorce yourself from the outcome um so you'd be surprised i'll say like hey have a great day and they'll be or i'll say like how was your day to mm -hmm. like just you know I'll, I'll use an example of like i go to pcc all the time and there's the self-checkout stuff mm -hmm. and there's a stand right next to the person who's just standing there all day and they always look bored so i'm always like oh how was your day just starting that conversation that's great and they will just like some people will just be like oh it's great whatever like you're not getting a bid for connection there so you just yeah. kind of move on other days you're like oh it was awesome had this great experience in the store and then you just kind of naturally flow on that um and then so like i think you have to be mindful of, of bids for connection. If people don't know what that is, it's... Um, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with okay, that. Okay, so uh, in a lot of social interactions, um, you will, and especially in relationships, you'll see one partner, um, even platonic, will bid for connection by saying something which leaves um, like room for more discussion. Uh, okay, and okay. then the other person either has the choice to take the bid or reject the bid. And so they take the bid means you continue the conversation and you follow up. Sure. Continue it. Otherwise you sort of, you just leave it hanging and you're, that just signals I'm, I'm not up for connection. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, just put out bids for connection with random people. doesn't, doesn't matter who they could I be. I think that's a, I think yeah. that's a great advice. Uh, cause I have a, like, I have a few friends who are like, so like down on dating and at this point in their lives, they're like, you know what? I don't want to make the effort anymore. I want like them to make the effort. And, yeah. but if you're not, if you're not putting out that bid, yeah. how are they to know that you even want to interact with them? Exactly. It's like, uh, I, I, again, I don't have any studies to back this up, but I think that the foundation 
of any social relationship is, is on these bids. Like you can't start one, you can't continue one. Like if you are friends with someone yeah. and you stop putting out bids, then they're going to stop putting out bids and that friendship dies. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, you don't start from nothing. Like someone has to start someone the has conversation. To leave it open, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I was listening to a dating podcast and they talk about, um, like, two strategies that people use when you're out in the world trying to meet people. Mm -hmm. One is you're at a coffee shop and you're sitting uh, there and there's someone next to you and you have to go to the bathroom. So you ask someone, can you watch my laptop? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you go away. And then a lot of people, um, depending on who you are, whether you're the person sitting or you're the person coming back, you'll make a joke and say like, Oh, I hope yeah. no one tried to steal my stuff. <laughs> and the person sitting, might just be like, no, that's cool. And you'll be like, all right, thanks for watching my stuff. Continue on. Or they'll be like, oh man, yeah, these ninjas came in and they were like, I have to fight them <laughs> off. Like that's a bid for connection. Like you just continue yeah. and you sort of banter a little bit and that continues that interaction. Um, or you're at a bar and... and I, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, um, yeah, I talk a lot, so feel free to interrupt. I, I was going to say, and it's not just like the words you say, it's also a lot of body language. Absolutely. And I think like, um, I... I don't want to say aura, but like kind of the vibe you give yeah. off, like people can read that. And like, for sure. like I have people now like who just like, like, well, we're walking together or like we'll be crossing paths and we'll just start a conversation just because I've seen like someone approachable yeah. and we'll chat and like, we'll get to know each other a little bit and we'll never see, talk to each other again. And that's okay. Yeah. Not every relationship is going to last forever. Some will be just a passing glance. Some will be like deep friendships. Some might be give you some really great advice on the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the point is like keep yourself open to like the possibilities. Um, and it's not just the words you use. Like eye contact is a big thing. A like thing. Uh, yeah, just like passing like glances at a bar. Mm -hmm can sometimes be enough to start a con that's the bid yeah, right that's there the, that, that's the yeah that's the the primo bid that's yeah eye contact. <laughs> eye contact that lasts a little longer than it should right yeah that's, like, that's the signal and like i think showing interest is a huge bid For like sure. if you're like the, if with the coffee with the uh, coffee shop example mm -hmm. ask your ask your neighbor what are you drinking yeah yeah, or what's good here, or yeah, you know, yeah. those kind of things are great openers. Uh, and again, it might not go anywhere. The person yeah. just might not be into it. And, and say, you know what? It's okay know. if it doesn't go anywhere. They don't. They don't owe you anything. Yeah, exactly. But if they do accept the bid, yeah. then that's something. Yeah, that means something. something. It does. Yeah, and you work with it. And yeah. again, even if the bid is accepted, it might not go anywhere. This right. is why you divorce yourself from the outcome. Yeah. Because like the more tied you are to an outcome, this goes back to your aura thing. Like you're going to put out an aura that might not be the most welcoming. You might, right. go, you might say the outcome is, Oh, this is just never going to work. Why should I try this? Well, they're going to pick up on that and be like, Oh, this person is not putting out a positive energy. Right. Or you're going to go, Oh man, I really want this to work. I want to go on a date with this person. Like you plan everything out. Then they also pick up on that. And it's mm -hmm. a little bit too eager. It's a little bit too, I don't want to say the word desperate because I don't like the word desperate, but that's what like, but it, it it's like it shows like almost a lack of confidence. Exactly. And I think like even if you don't, uh, even if you like tune out the whole aura stuff and vibe <laughs> stuff, like comp, like we know confidence. Like confidence was like taught to us as like a big important thing. Like my mom growing up would tell me like fake it till you make it yeah. regarding confidence, and that's like advice that I'm pretty sure 
few of us have gotten yeah. and it's terrible advice. It oh, is the worst advice. Yeah. It people can tell if you're faking it because you and um it's not even just about like the aura you give off, but it's like the people can tell the hesitation. Yes. If you're not being authentically you and not embracing your authentic mm -hmm. self, then you have to kind of think about what you're going to say. You have to think about what you're going to do and that like that's couple milliseconds. Yeah. People will notice and people will know that something is off here. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the true confidence is being yourself in any situation, no matter right. what the outcome is going to be. You know, you'll, you'll be okay if people don't like you. You'll be okay if they do like you. But you were true to yourself. That's true confidence. It's not faking it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, uh, I've had plenty of, uh, I've had a lot few episodes about talking about how do we find our inner selves? How do we find the self love? And like, then how do we then show that externally? Yeah. And honestly, I think that the hard part is really like finding your, who you are, oh, absolutely. finding your authentic chaos, if you yeah. will. And once you have it, you don't even need to think about it yeah. and you don't even need to consider how other people are experiencing it because they will experience you for you. Yeah. I actually just went through this with my therapist. I was like, I was telling him like, sometimes I feel like I don't have a personality because I'm like so mm. good with the flow and like it takes a lot to bother me. And like, I like a lot of things. I like a lot mm. of movies, all movies. I like all books. Like, I feel like I don't have that thing that's like my d definitive op opinion. So we did this exercise, mm -hmm. which is you list out 50 values and you go through and you label what's very important, what's not important, yeah. what's quite important. And then you try and pick your top five. And I found that doing that exercise like showed me a lot of who I am and what I value and like sort of gave me extra confidence in going out and being myself. Cause I know as long as I stick to those I've identified, then like, that's me, that's who I am. And I was like, yeah. this is super helpful. I recommend it yeah. to so many people now. <laughs> That's a great exercise. Yeah. And if you're struggling with confidence or struggling to figure out who you are, like, yeah, do that. Like, write down some values, right? Figure out which ones are important. Because really, like, your values are a core part of who you oh, are. Yeah. And that's like a core part of your foundation. Um, as you continue your journey, you'll find other things too. Like, um, you'll start to consider yourself differently. And I think a big part of it is, uh, like you mentioned, you you like a lot of different things, mm -hmm. right? Like, And a lot of people like hiking, a lot of people yeah. like a bunch of hobbies, but I don't think that defines any of us. No. I think that's just things that we do and that's a lot of external things, but there's a lot of like underlying values that might result in us being driven to those yeah. hobbies. Yeah. Um, but like really, there's a lot of value in understanding those values. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, your values determine your sense of humor. They determine yeah. how you interact with people, how you treat people, all of these things. And if you can identify those core set and you know that you're acting within those, the confidence is easy to come by. Yeah, yeah. Easier said than done. It's a lot of hard work, <laughs> it's a lot of practice, but it is worthwhile work. So let's talk about, um, let's give advice to some of our fellow techies. Okay, all right. Like you mentioned, Seattle, especially, is a difficult difficult city to date if you're in tech, yeah. especially if tech is who you are. Yeah. Um, so what what do we do? How do we help? Yeah, like, what yeah. can what can you do if you're in this situation? You work sixty hour weeks. You're at Amazon or whatever. You're constantly on call. Um, so it's obviously taking a big part of your mind, but it's not really who you are. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is a tricky question. I don't mm-hmm. think we have all the answers, but um, I, I think there is a few things. Uh, a, like, number one, because we've sort of painted a little bit, don't treat yourself as a victim. Like, the, the people in tech in this city, they are not <laughs> victims here. Like, yes. it is... And I think don't adopt that mindset. I think in general, yeah. like you're you're not gonna be winning any hearts by trying to throw the blame, like it trying never, to be pitied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you attract what you put out there. If yes. you pretend like you're the victim or try to paint yourself as the victim, you're going to attract people that are not going to be good for you. Um, so, never a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know there is this sort of stereotype that maybe we should fight, and mm-hmm. to do that, you know. I think the stereotype is not the fact that we work on computers or that we, you know, program or that we build things. That's not the issue. If you're super passionate about that and you demonstrate that passion, it's going to be hard not to be attracted to that because passion is attractive. Um, So more power to you. But the issue I think comes from that, like growing up in the tech world, um, being exposed to the tech world, there are certain ideas that propagate because it's such a male dominated field uh, and such a field that is, um, adopts a lot of internet culture. That is where this kind of issue comes from. And that's the problem that people have. So fighting this is to, is to sort of widen your perspective. Like everything you read on the internet, everything you experience in your tech job, that is not how the world works and exposing yourself to things outside of tech like the arts, nature, any of these kind of things that broaden your horizon or like, you know, talk to, you know, meet people that don't work in tech and learn their experience and learn like not everything is easy. And I think if you widen your perspective there, that goes a lot to fighting what a lot of people have a problem with of those in tech. This is kind of vague, but but no, I think, I think that's the thing. I think there's some. I mean, I think there's some like specific action items there. Like you said, like broadening your horizon. Like it's good to be passionate, and like I know many people in tech who are super passionate, yeah. but I also know that some of them get super passionate maybe about things that are too niche. niche. Oh, absolutely. People love to take sides in tech and like yes. sort of be like this editor is better than this editor or this program like those kind of things that's not going to help anyone like right and uh it it, you know maybe you shouldn't talk about vim versus emacs on your first date yeah absolutely (laughs) not not. tabs versus spaces never a good discussion and if you didn't get that joke it's totally okay (laughs) (laughs) these are not jokes that i make into anyone else but (laughs) i I know that We're too niche, dude. That's the that's. <laughs> but but the the point yeah. is uh, the the point is for the for um my non techie listeners is that we get so passionate about the most niche things because yeah. when you're in these highly specialized spaces. Mm-hmm. The more you're in it, the more specialized you get. And then suddenly you're talking about things that maybe some of your other tech friends would be like, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that I think this problem happens in a lot of other fields, too. Like you said, none Absolutely. of it is unique to working on computers. No. Um, but I think because we live in such a large community of fellow techies, yeah. it's easy to think that this is the culture. Yeah. And this is what everyone's talking about. Yep. But 
it isn't. Like you said, there's the arts, there's nature, there's so much more to the world and so much more to who you are as a person than tech or your job. And I think, yeah, exploring different things, finding like maybe even just trying new hobbies in areas that you maybe never considered. Yeah. Maybe go to an art museum if you're not really into art museums yeah. and like maybe try to like appreciate it and like see how it makes you feel. And that's a big thing too. Like explore your emotions a little bit. Yep, absolutely. We get sensations all the time, both like physical and like emotional and like we sh- we explore the physical sensations, why not also the emotional sensations? Absolutely. I think that's that's a a keen point. I think you you need to Feel your feelings. I know yeah, that's like, yeah. a lot of people say that and it's kind of hokey, but no, like feeling your feelings is, is what it means to be, you know, sort of emotionally aware. Um, yeah. A lot of people say it, but I don't think a lot of people do it. Oh, absolutely not. I, I have this whole like thing where like, uh, like mindfulness has been like popularized on social yeah. media, but like it's often in the terms of like platitudes, yeah. like a nice post on Instagram being like, feel your feelings yeah. and like a sappy music, but like they don't really tell you what that means. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of like feeling your feelings can be uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of vulnerability. There's a lot of like sometimes our some of our demons yeah. are behind those feelings. But like I've mentioned this before, they aren't they aren't weaknesses and they aren't demons. They're shadows. They're still part of us. And when we we should consider ourselves less of our active thought mind and more as the consciousness that makes the thoughts and the consciousness that feels these feelings. Yeah. It's okay to feel. We all feel. I cry sometimes, and it's great. It feels liberating yeah. to let those emotions go. And sometimes I cry for, like, happy things and sometimes for sad things. And, like, it's fine. It's totally normal. Yeah, it's a normal thing. Yeah. I'm not doing something unnatural. <laughs> Literally, my body has these <laughs> ducks for a reason and this response for a reason. I think, like, we get into trouble, and especially in, like, dating, when we try to not be human. Yeah. And, like, try to, like, fight it as much as we can, which is, like, it, it's crazy. Oh, I, I agree. And, and I think it's also... Important to note that, like, when you hear the term "feel your feelings," I think a lot of people go towards like the like feeling sad or crying. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the man that cries or all that stuff. But I think like it's definitely important to do that. But you also need to look at the other emotions, like anger. I think a lot of people like don't factor that in when it comes to feeling your fingers feelings. Anger is a natural emotion. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to direct that anger at someone else. And you know when you would direct that anger at someone else? It's when you don't process why you're angry. Right. It's when you don't feel your feelings. So, you know, if you're angry, feel angry. Sit with yourself and wonder, why am I feeling angry? What is causing this? Yeah. If you can do that, like, I think that's the definition of an emotionally aware individual. Like, be able to yeah. sit and say, it's okay that I'm feeling anxious. It's okay that I'm feeling angry or sad or whatever. Maybe you don't even have to explore it. Just feel it. Just let it pass through you. That does wonders for your emotional soul. Not to get all, you know, kind of philosophical, but that like it really does wonders. And it's necessary. Like yeah. we need we need that emotional. Like we focus so much on the intellectual and like being one with our thoughts. But like really, we to be holistic, we want to be one with our feelings. And I think it'll, it's like it's something that has been one of the biggest helps for me in dating. Yeah. Um, 
Like I used to just be very like left brain, like very analytical, very like science or engineering heavy. And like, I wouldn't really think about my emotions at all. And like, I grew up in a pretty like, uh, like patriarchal household where like the man was the leader. And as the leader, you're taught you need to be objective. And even in like, and this is reinforced in like the tech field, like everything is based on like being objective and just, and being like cold and calculating. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, your emotions, your feelings aren't like you, you are, they aren't validated. In some cases you're told to ignore them. Like if you're hurt, they're like, well, you know, just, uh, try to figure out a better way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but that doesn't, I always felt like I was missing something and like I'd have great dates and stuff, but like people wouldn't feel me in the way that I like thought that, that I felt them or like they, we would feel different connections. Right. And like at, and this especially happened, uh, well actually I I noticed multiple shifts. So like first people like noticed different connections, but then like, um, but actually people like saw me in a normal way. Mm-hmm. But when I, I found that when I started my mindfulness journey and I started to figure out who I was, people started to feel, some people were even less connected from me. Less connected to you or to me? you, uh, like to me or from me. Like there was like a mismatch in like connection. Like they wouldn't feel what I was feeling. Yeah. And so I would explore, I would want to explore what that was. Yeah. And like, over time, as I grew in my journey, I realized like it wasn't really like me. That was that was more on them. It wasn't anything that I was putting out. It was the how they were interpreting it and how they were perceiving it. And this kind of goes back to I like to do a lot of cycles in oh, conversations. Yeah. No, absolutely. This goes back to our our initial points of like these bid connections, these strangers. Yeah. Sometimes the connection, they're not going to feel the same connection you're feeling. Yeah, it's totally normal. It's totally normal and it's totally okay. I'm, I have adopted this mantra in for this year that um, almost nothing is personal. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what that means is that um, there's so much, like we're so in our heads and we live such personal personalized experiences that some of us are so in our heads we're not even considering how you are interpreting what we're doing or what we're saying and so sometimes even this can even happen with like a lover like a loved one like someone who you know really closely sometimes they're gonna just say something that just seems weird or off-putting sometimes they're gonna do something that's weird and off-putting it doesn't mean anything necessarily you can talk to them about it and like explore where that came from and you'll probably realize it had nothing to do with you a lot of people's actions are, you know, when you're interpreting them, you're dealing with hidden information. You have no right. way of thinking. You, all you get to see is the output, but you don't get to see what was like sort of the ingredients to that right. output. And this is, this is the chaos. Yeah. This <laughs> is, so like, this is the chaos. And in the, uh, so I'll reiterate why, why I call it chaos. So I had, a, I had a professor in grad school who described that chaos is different from randomness. Mm-hmm. Because chaos has looks like randomness, but it has an underlying order to it. Chaos does. Yeah, there's something behind it. Some like some laws of physics. Something that is creating the chaos in a in a way that makes patterns 
and isn't totally random. But to the outside observer, it looks random. Yeah. And part of like the reason why I call my authentic, my authentic self an authentic chaos is that it's about understanding my own chaos. Oh, I love that. That's great. And then once you can understand it, you can start explaining to other people why you did certain things. Yeah. And that is super valuable in building trust in a relationship. It's super valuable in building like a sense of security and vulnerability and like just a a lovely space that people want to be in. And when people want to be in your space, people will want to, you will naturally attract people. Absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, if you are struggling to identify why you're doing certain actions, bring it back. You're not truly feeling your feelings. Once you feel your feelings, you can understand what feelings made you do something and why you reacted in a certain way. And then you can, like you said, explain it to others. And then you sort of, that communication sort of prevents a lot of trouble that people have in in relationships and and communication breaking down. So, yeah. yeah. And if you want to, if this is something that you're interested in exploring and like how to better understand yourself, but like um, we mentioned, like it's good to like, like try to be aware and try to like look into some of the reasons why you're feeling the way you're feeling. But if that is too painful, I highly encourage you to seek out a professional, seek out therapy. It helped me. It sounds like it's helping you out (laughs) for sure. (laughs) And like, it is so, it is so worth it. Our like emotional security, our emotional sanity, our mental sanity. These are like, these are things that are so important to our lives and our well being. We should treat it just as, like seriously as we treat like preventable like physical Absolutely. things like eating well right like we want to keep our bodies healthy we should keep our minds healthy too i completely agree i wish yeah. like all of us were sort of forced to go and talk to someone when we're adults <laughs> and just, like get used to the idea yeah. of therapy being normal and and see the value of it because yeah. like you can be the most level-headed person on earth but it is nice to have someone to talk to and be like this is what's going on in my life and you know, I think I'm processing it all right, but I'd like a little bit of feedback. Like, yeah, life can be useful. life can be crazy. Like, there's so much stuff going on in our in our lives. We've got like work complications, we've got family complications, we've got like relationships, we've got hobbies, we've got all these things. And then there's like the world around us. There's like crazy news all yeah. the time, pandemics, wars, like literally within the last couple of years. Like, there's so much fear and insecurity and instability, and I think that's. It, that is an addition additionally driving some of the loneliness that oh, you sure. that you like have been reflecting on for sure um so um we so i want to go back so i want to talk about some of the things that your like, seattle social club is doing cool. yeah. um specifically around like speed dating yeah and i feel like so you've been running several speed dating events yep. and I feel like you have this unique position of seeing like dating on an aggregate level at the okay. higher level. Yeah. Has, have you noted, so have you had made any observations on like interactions, maybe even in speed dating or otherwise? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm a scientist at heart, so I like to treat uh, our events as sort of social experiments. Oh, okay. So I, I do um, sort of pull levers here and there just to test certain theories. Ooh, um, I like this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I chat with our attendees all the time just to get feedback on and learn a little bit about sort of some of their struggles in dating. Um, 
how they approach our events, how they, what they think of our events, because you, you'd be surprised. Like there are different viewpoints for sure, depending yeah. on um, age, gender, sexuality, all of these things uh, have an impact. Um, so like one thing I've noticed, which is like probably not helpful to those that are dating on an individual level, but you know, I, I talk about, we host a variety of singles events. So we do yeah. uh, general mixers, which is just like you show up, grab a drink, talk to whoever's there, whatever. Then you have speed dating, which is more organized. It's, you know, girls sit, guys rotate, or vice versa, depending on a variety of factors. Um, and then anything in between, board game nights, all those kind of things. I ask people, you know, um, what, what do they think? Like, what do you like about speed dating versus these other ones? Or, you know, we have an issue where we have lots of great available women that are super smart, super emotionally in tune, like should have no problem in the dating world. Mm -hmm. And then we have just, you know, we struggle to sometimes get guys to come to our events. Um, Interesting. Despite Seattle being you'd a think it'd mostly be, male city. And you'd think it'd be like, like the opposite problem, especially with like how, uh, how much like hate the apps get. Like you'd think that guys would be chomping at the bit. To <laughs> I, I would think so. Um, but no, it's always a struggle for speed dating. Like Interesting. women will sell out immediately yeah guys it takes the full four weeks of advertising for me to get all of them you hear that guys uh if you want to if you want to get into some speed dating seattle social club might be your ticket yeah. <laughs> everyone has a great time we have great we have great people all around um it, it's a fun time but as i'm trying to figure out why why are we lacking these guys like mm -hmm. what, what's the issue here because this shouldn't be what's happening like you talk to a lot of other social groups they have the opposite problem all yeah. guys no women that's fascinating. Um, yeah, especially like Meetup, I've been told. Yeah. Meetup is like mostly male dominated yeah. and lacking in women. Um, but anyway, in digging through this, I asked the women, like, um, what kind of events do you prefer? And they overwhelmingly say, I like organized events. I mm. like events where there's a purpose, where there's like something that we're doing. So speed dating, speed friending. Uh, board game nights like there's there's a purpose to the event you ask uh, and organized um, you ask guys and they overwhelmingly overwhelmingly say I like the freeform events I like mm. the events where I get to choose yeah. who I talk to and like I just think that's fascinating because like these are both groups that are looking for each other but they're operating in wildly different pools yeah right like the girls are saying like I'm, we're going to speed dating the guys are like we're only going to the mixers that's so and fascinating. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to bridge these two groups. Um, and, I, and I think, and I have had confirmation from several folks that the reason that the women like speed dating is because it's very easy to have a conversation with anyone for three minutes, but there's mm -hmm. a built-in out. And so you're not stuck with this person. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Whereas guys tend to like to have more of control of who they see and sort of you know, I don't want to say trap people, but like <laughs> they, you go to a bar, they like sort of corner it's the bar is, yeah, yeah, it does. Like, yeah, it does happen. They don't, for sure. they don't make it easy for you to get out of that. Yeah. Um, and so like when I structure my events, if I look at who am I going to cater to, I'm always going to cater to this group over here. Um, yeah. that, um, it just seems healthier approach to dating. It seems like they, they're, they're willing to sit with anyone regardless of preconceived notions. Right. And that is a better dating experience than saying, oh, I just want to talk to who I talk to. 
and you know whatever because i think a lot of us sort of misunderstand what our types are and mm. so like we'll go after people mm. that maybe aren't necessarily right for us but we think they are hmm. why, why do you why do you say that i you know it's just i, I think a lot of it's sort of my bias yeah. myself but i just also think that like you talk to a lot of married couples and you see like oh i've heard people say like oh yeah, yeah it's not someone you know i ever thought i would be married to but huh. like we have a great marriage we have a great life yeah um or you see like i think this goes back to dating apps for everyone swipes on like what they think is the most attractive people right you're probably all swiping on this yeah like, i've heard like you, you know the top 20% of guys get the top 80% yeah. or Which, matches or like, whatever. It I'd... might be true, but like it should still have no material impact on your yeah, experience. I mean, yeah, for, for sure. Like yeah. on an individual yeah. experience, like forget about all of the yeah. numbers. Like the statistics don't matter unless you're like aggregately dating. Yeah, which but, you're, the, yeah. but it is the pattern, right? <laughs> yes, that yes. is the pattern. And But like what you'll find is you'll swipe on, you know, all these people that you think are great and then you go and you try and have a conversation and the conversation goes nowhere and oh it's yeah it's like this is just such a boring conversation like i don't understand and it's because you're chasing um, someone based on your preconceived notions of what you think you'll like and not the sort of values that you actually like and i think like dating apps especially uh, a lot more marketing goes Absolutely. into yeah. the profiles yeah. than uh meeting someone in real life mm -hmm. like there's like I, I use the dating apps. I've met some really lovely women on the dating apps, uh, some of whom I'm really good friends with. Um, but it's hard to really get your vibe across. Yeah, sure. And like, it's if I if you can figure out how to do that, that's great. But like, that's why I prefer like in, in like meeting in person. But yeah. so um, yeah, so I get that and. I want to go back to you're saying that you want to cater your events to like the to make this a safe space for Absolutely. women. And I think that's honestly the, I mean that's the right way to do it yeah. as like a community organizer. You want cuz like obviously the men might prefer a more uh like uh less organized structure and like I I admit I I like less organized structure too cuz I like to float around. I like to have different conversations. Um, and I like to have longer conversations, yeah. but, um, but I think it makes sense to create a, a safe space for everyone and yeah. men will like, I'm fine with speed dating if that's the vibe yeah. that we're going with. I mean, a safe space yeah. for women is a safe space for men. Yes. A safe space for, for men sure. is not necessarily a safe space yes. for women. So. And it comes down to the power imbalance yeah. that like our society ends up having where men do have like a, a bit of more power over women Absolutely. and that's just what. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how things are. We're not, like, totally even. And, like, I think a lot of... I've seen a lot of my friends who kind of play into that dynamic by talking about, like, how much they make. Yeah, or like the wrong think, approach. The wrong it approach. is the wrong approach. And, like, the things you have, how much you make, it's, like, it's totally irrelevant. And it's, it's enforcing power dynamics. And I have a very strong belief that power and love cannot coexist if you have any relationship with a power dynamic will not never be a loving relationship think about this have you ever fallen in love with a boss yeah i think some people might say yes to that uh, maybe in that case <laughs> stockholm syndrome is a thing <laughs> I, I will say, i i think generally you're probably right but i will say that some people are into 
being, you know, sure. like not <laughs> How, the boss and having a boss. So yeah. like definitely something that works for people. And power dynamics yeah. and sexual kinks. Yeah. That's fine, yeah. but that's different. But but there is like when you do that though, like the, the key thing for going down that route, the key thing is with that is that like, you may think the power dynamic is what's straightforward, but the power dynamic is actually reversed. Oh yes. Right. Like oh, the yes, person for sure. who is not the boss is actually the person in control and all that stuff. Right. And so what you find is it's actually like this kind of equalness. Um, yeah. And so maybe now I'm thinking about it. You're right. Like if you can't have a true power dynamic and have love. Yeah. I think that's, and I think, so uh, another reflection I had on this is that uh, a lot of us, we, so like I said, we live very personalized experiences. You're on a first date with someone, right? And you're like, all these questions are running through your head of yeah. like, do they like me? Are they feeling what I'm feeling? Ooh. And you're like, well, I can't read what they're reading. They're like, yeah. they're, they've got a poker face on. Like, I don't know if they like it. And like, you think you see this in power imbalance you're like i know that i'm into this i don't know if they're into this but you know what they're experiencing the same thoughts most likely and they're experiencing a similar power imbalance they think you have hold all the power and that they don't but really we're all on a similar playing field absolutely um, and I think I'm going to go back to my rule number one, divorce yourself from the outcome. Divorce yourself right? like, from the outcome. Don't care. Do they like me? Yeah. And, and in fact, like most people are so focused on, do they like me that they don't ever reflect? Do I like them? Yeah. I think they like them because like, you know, Oh my God, this happened like a to me. person across from me. Uh, yeah. This happens to happen to me a lot. A lot. Like, yeah, you'd be, you'd be like on a date with someone who you're like, Oh wow. I'm like super attracted to you. But like, you think about it like months later after the date, after dating them and be like, wait, why was I yeah. super into yeah, them? Yeah, because you're so focused on getting them to like you, you never yeah. took a step back to say, why do I like this person? And it can't right. just be, I think they're attractive because that is a short-lived, Oh yeah, like, that's a short-lived thing. That dopamine rush, yeah. like it, it'll die down, you'll yep. get used to it. Yep. Um, not that they won't become like, still be attractive to you, but like the, the magic of, well, yeah, well, also like relationships just can't work on attractiveness, right? Like yeah. you, like oh, yeah. you'll have communication imbalances. You'll, you'll not be able to communicate with each other. Um, relationships just, are, yeah. I, I think people don't give for, uh, don't give relationships enough credit for how complicated oh they are. God. People say they're complicated, <laughs> but like, um, like both humans, two humans or however many humans all very complicated, right? Yeah. And then the relationships between them, these relationships between two complex things, how is that relationship not going to be even more complicated? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even like a tangible thing that we can look at and see and like poke at and be like, oh, it needs it needs water. Yeah. Like this is where the chaos comes in. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it is where the chaos comes in. And like, like, do you, and how can you really understand the needs of your relationship if you don't understand your own needs? Absolutely. And that's why we're going to circle back, like understanding yourself, like becoming more com comfortable with your emotions and feeling your feelings will go a long way in helping you have better dating experiences and have more sex successful relationships and successful relationships. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's complicated. Um, I can tell you that, you know, um, from speed dating at least, I can I can give you advice on the individual dates. Yeah, let's um, do it. So, um, 
I talk, I, so again, I like to talk to people that attend my events and I like to mm -hmm. just learn all about them, all about their experience. And, um, overwhelmingly what I hear is like people approach the dates, um, like when you're at least when you're dating in in a series where you're seeing like one person and the next person and the next person mm -hmm. and the next person, what you end up seeing are patterns, and the pattern you see mm -hmm. is that you get asked the same questions over and over and over, and like <laughs> that is exhausting when you yeah. do it fourteen times, which is what happens in speed dating. But you might not notice that it happens when you're on a single date, and, or on the apps, or on the apps exactly, and you might not notice that like those same questions are largely useless. Like they're just small talk, but like there is no like, like what do you do? No How is it? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, what do you do? How long have yeah. you been in Seattle? What do you do for fun? Like great things to know about a person, but like there's only so much information you could, you can gather from right. those people. Um, and so like approach it where you want to get to know the person on a deeper level. Like, yeah. don't jump right into the deep questions like and like start exploring traumas and all that that's like <laughs> no one needs to do that that's no. that's uh, sometimes you can do that on a first date but that's only approach it if you are very confident in your own Absolutely. vibes and like no like because that can be a very treacherous those can be very treacherous waters if yeah. you don't know the person you don't, you don't want a trauma bond either yeah. like that gives you oh, a, yeah. a, a false sense of closeness and then you realize later on like oh I'm not as close to that person as I thought. It's, right. <laughs> this, is, this is red zone. Like, yeah, yeah. It's the same um, thing as the attraction, right? Like physical attraction. Yeah, exactly. Like, These are short-lived things. Mm -hmm. What you really want to do is you want to get to the like meat and bones of the person. Like, mm -hmm. like, you can get that a little bit if you start digging in hobbies and seeing where do they value spending their free time. Yeah. But if you can start like getting to the meat of like um, dreams and goals and like how they would approach certain situations... Um, you can get all of these answers without asking directly. Yeah. Um, and I think focusing on, on how you can explore this area is a lot more effective at building a relationship with another person, platonic or dating. Oh yeah. Um, and that the longer you spend on this small talk, the, you might think you're making progress, but you're really not. And most people forget yeah. the answers to these small talk questions, but you're not. It, you're not going to forget that other stuff. Yeah, because like the small talk questions, those are the things that like you need to like dig into your memory. Yeah, it's like uh, like a quiz almost. Like yeah. it it it's not really because it's not really who you are. No, exactly. What's and your I, favorite yeah. color? Like. I yeah. You say that on a first date and you ask me that. Sometimes like two people, weeks later, I'm not going to remember. I'm sometimes sorry. people ask me what I do for fun. Yeah. And like, I have to think about like, okay, what did I do in the last like couple of weeks? Yeah. Like that was fun. And like, oh, is that fun? That fun for me versus fun for them. Yeah. Um, one question that I've started asking people, which I've had like actually very good success with in like any, like talking to strangers, like online dates, like uh, is just what excites you? Yeah. I love that question. Yes. Cause like, especially if, if someone like, usually it's the type, that's the type of question that like one people don't get very often. And two, it's like, they want to say something and then they say, Oh wait, Ooh. And then like you see a sparkle in their eye yeah. and then you start to see a little bit of who they are come mm -hmm. out. And that leads to some like really exciting, like, and then it's a question of like, so if you you should be listening, obviously you should be attentively listening to the conversation and the asking questions off yep. of it. If you're not, 
then you should ask yourself, why am I even talking to this person? Because clearly you're not very interested in them if you're not going to listen and like ask follow up questions and like dig deeper and see where that conversation takes you. And it may not be the conversation you intended to have or you are prepared to have going into it, but it's the conversation you're having and it's the bond you're forming. And that's the beautiful thing and the exciting thing about like meeting new people and dating or otherwise. Like, um, I like to say that meeting new people excites me because it's like I'm learning someone else's perception of the world. And by doing that, I'm getting a whole new view of reality that I didn't have going into this. And now I'm learning something really cool. Like maybe I'll learn something about like animals I hadn't thought about or like a lived experience that like I never considered. Yeah, no, and that's part of the like what we recommended earlier: expand, expanding your world, expanding your worldview, yeah. your perception of of other people's experiences. Um, yeah, another thing that's kind of important, I think, is is balancing the conversation. So, mm. a lot of people, and a lot of people in tech I've seen, have read this terrible book, which is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, no. you know that book? <laughs> uh, I know, I know of it. Okay. I, like, I I started off in the whole like self-improvement like for career stuff mm-hmm. so i read like um seven habits of highly effective mm-hmm. people yeah. um difficult conversations yeah. things like that and like uh there are some really good things in those especially difficult conversations yeah. that's a whole like conversation topic on itself because <laughs> there is such they're so important yeah. but like uh but go ahead what what yeah. what have you uh, so i don't have a problem with with you know, that whole spectrum of, of literature, but that book in particular is the yeah. definition of fake it till you make it. Yeah. And I hate it. I hate that book. But one of the things it tells you is like, someone tells you a story. I tell you about how like, um, in high school, I, you know, won an essay contest about whatever. And right. it's really special to me. It says, oh, you know, I had something similar when I was in high school. I did X, Y, Z, Z, you know, like all that. And... Like, sounds good in premise. Like, oh, yeah, that's a way to continue the conversation and stuff like that. But what you've actually done is said, like... I don't care you know, about your I story. Don't you, I don't care about your essay contest yeah. or what it was on. Uh, here's about me. A much better thing is to be like, oh, my God, how did you come up with the idea for that essay? Or whatever. Yeah, And, yeah. like, sort of dig deeper. And then you can elaborate on some of the points that they bring up while also driving it back to their initial story. Yeah. That is a better conversation than just going back and forth trading stories where no one's actually listening or paying attention to what each other's saying yeah. until the conversation ends and the date's over. It remind that kind of advice reminds me of like have you ever had like that friend who like one ups everyone? It's the same it's the same premise. It's the same premise. Yeah. And like yeah, if you know uh, if you dear listener have a friend who like no matter what story you have, they always come up with a better story or like something that happened to them and suddenly you're like, "Okay, maybe the first couple times you're like okay this that's cool and then but then it becomes a pattern and you're like mm, are these stories even real and if you're starting to question whether or not your friend or someone you're talking to is like telling you the truth this relationship is probably toast yeah those don't live long um, yeah so since you yeah. like you don't know anything about each other. Yeah. You listen to these things, it goes in one ear, out the other. Like, yeah. So don't start on a lie. Yeah. Don't don't even like try to one up them. Like, if if you want to, th- like, don't think of conversations as like waiting for my turn to talk. Like, it's a it's a journey you're both taking, and like you're exchanging ideas. But like, part of that was like, 
like learn listening i think is one of the best things you can do for yourself and for them like when i listen to someone's story like i'm learning about their lived experience and i'm like building a richer lived experience for myself through that lived experience absolutely yeah i think that's the right approach yeah um yeah so that's a big one um another one back to bouncing conversation though is um i went on a date two weeks ago mm-hmm. and we were how'd watching- it go <laughs> uh, it's not that it went bad I just yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to elaborate um, <laughs> and you know there were all these other couples around the room mm. and we were watching them trying to like making up stories about what was going oh, on I love, fun, really I love game. that game yeah it's so much fun <laughs> yes. like, you're probably way off but it's still fun but what, one thing we did look at was like we were playing the game of like is she into him or not Ooh. which is also a really fun game um, and what I notice on every single five dates, every single one of them, the guy is just sitting there chatting away, chatting away, chatting away, <laughs> chatting away. And the girl is kind of like either like this, like really enamored or just kind of like waiting just till he finishes or gives space and the space never comes. and just listening. Yeah. Listening. And I'm like, I, I was shocked. I was like, I, you know, because you don't get to see how other people date, right? Like you don't right. get your experience versus the person you're across from. Yeah, yeah. You don't get feedback yeah. from like a, an observer. Yeah, and I was just sitting there and I was like, is this how other people are dating out here? They're just yeah. sitting and chatting and not realizing that the other person is just like either really bored or just tuned out. And yeah. so like give room for people to sort of speak. Give room for your bid that you're giving out. But what if you don't even notice it? That's the hard part. You got to be aware. You You have have to to be be aware. Yeah. Yeah. That's a key. That's a key. Like be aware of the space you're taking up. Both the physical space, the emotional space, the conversation space. Like, like this is a, this isn't you want both in the relationship. You want a little of them, a little of you. It's like a, it's a balance, right? Absolutely. Like you're saying, yeah. it's the you're finding that balance. Yeah, and that's so balance key. Balance the conversation mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and again, if you do any of these things, like, don't be hard on yourself that you've yeah. done this or you've been here. Like, that's the worst thing you can do is when you overly judge yourself. Yeah. All you have to remember is that like, tomorrow is a new day. I have yeah. a new experience. I can I can do differently than I did before and learn from it. And a lot of this stuff is just. This is how we were raised, right? Like mm-hmm. all of, all of your experience comes from your your or your actions come from your past experience, what you've lived through. Yeah. And a lot of us were raised to like be the person talking, be the person that is like commanding the room and stuff like and that. And like especially in like the US, like through just culture you see like a lot of like men being like taught to be like okay, you have to be in the command. Yeah. You have to control the date, you have to control mm-hmm. the conversation, but like that's not that's not how anything works and like like i said power dynamics not good let's avoid power dynamics in in these burgeoning relationships yeah. um and also just for the men who like to talk and i love to talk that's why i started a podcast really i just love talking <laughs> same <laughs> but like even then like we know how to we know that like talking so much and just like having just being thrown a wall of text can get very very boring and very and like you start to like just zone out and then you're not then you're like hey your date's not paying any attention to you anymore like you can talk you can waste all that energy and it is going nowhere so like and it's like exhausting sometimes like 
I'm sure viewers of my podcast sometimes get a little bored of my long-winded monologues. And you know what? That's why I try to keep my conversations to at most, my monologues to at most 20 minutes. Yeah, that's the, that's the ideal conversation, or monologue length. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's science. Yeah. <laughs> You're a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the, the point is, like, you know how boring it is to like hear a lecture. Yeah. So don't give a lecture. Yeah. And I think one of the best ways to sort of fight this feeling of like you're talking all the time in the dating scenario is back again to um, the concept of you are not trying to impress the other person. You are trying to learn about the other person. Mm -hmm. You cannot learn about another person if you are just talking at them. Yeah. So in order to learn about another person, whether you are into that person, whether you like them, you need to get more information from them. So you need to ask them questions. You need to hear about their life yes. experience. And if you go in with that mindset, you're going to find that the conversation will just naturally sort of balance out because they're trying to get to know you. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get to know them. So there's going to be this give and take of questions back and forth. And that leads to a better conversation rather than you yeah. saying, be impressed by me. Here's and a it's, 20 minute monologue. And it's so much more fun. Absolutely. And as I've, uh, I had been reflecting a while back that like, Dating, like I've started viewing dating and like just meeting new people as play. Mm. And uh, with in play, you're, there isn't necessarily a goal. You are curiously exploring the unknown mm. and like having these fun little interactions. Yeah. And like it doesn't have to be just flirting, but flirting is a part of it. But like just having conversations, making jokes, like listening, asking questions, like just like treating meeting new people and dating especially less as a competition, less as work yeah. and more like a fun you're you're playing something with you're having a fun play date with a with a, a potential friend. Yeah, and I think approaching dating as if it's play and like one of the number one advice I give people is like especially in speed dating is like go into speed dating with zero expectations. Yeah. Zero expectations and How try to and try to have fun and just have fun. Exactly. Yeah. Tell jokes, you know, yeah. um, play games, do all that kind of stuff. That's just fun. People like fun. People feel good having fun. If you have fun with another person, they're going to feel good with you and they're going to associate you with fun. Yeah. And then things kind of just go from there. And it's not something that you can easily fake. Mm -hmm. So you definitely have to Absolutely. actually want to have that fun. Yeah. And if you don't want to have fun with another person, then you should definitely ask yourself, why do you even yeah. want to meet the meet people or date in the first place? Yeah. Like maybe you have something else that it should be taking a higher priority. Maybe your mind is telling you you have some emotional needs that you need to address before you start even exploring relationships. Absolutely. You might want to focus on yourself and yeah. figure that kind of stuff out before going off and trying to manage yeah. yours and another person's and, experience. And like you said, there's no shame in this. Like not. if you've, if you've done any of these things in the past that like we've talked about as like behaviors we want to avoid, it's okay. We've all done it. Like I've definitely been guilty of this oh, in yeah. the past. The past is done. We can't change it, mm -hmm. but we can forgive ourselves for it. And we can be aware of what we've done and we can be aware of how we are and we can, work within those parameters and maybe change mm -hmm. if we're lucky but it, awareness is the first step oh absolutely i you know i struggled with a lot of this really up until like end of last year even like, yeah i've done a lot of work 
alongside that before that. But even towards the end of last year, I was like, oh, I have not fully really worked through some of these issues and I yeah. need to, to, to take a step back. Um, and that's okay. Life's a journey. Life's yeah. like, we're always evolving, always learning more about ourselves, fixing ourselves and all that. Um, but like the key thing to remember is that past performance doesn't indicate future performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to a podcast again on dating and they talk about, they talked about it in regards to people who have cheated on another person. Mm. Whether you're a cheater is always a cheater. But I think the same rule applies for just anything that you view as unfavorable that you've done. Is that like today is is the only day that matters. What you yep. do today is is who you are. Um, the past is who you were, um, and they're going to hand you a baton as if you're running a relay, and that baton might be a bit heavier because of what you've done in the past, but it's up to your today to handle that, manage that and do the best they can with that heavy baton. And then so that they can hand it to the next person, which is tomorrow to be even better. And so I think like learning to stop judging your past actions, accepting, I, yes, I did that. I did do that. It was not something I liked, but I am not a bad person for it. I am not, you know, defunct because of it but i am aware of it and so now i can make better decisions more informed decisions i think if you can live that way this is something i'm trying at least um i found it's it's much uh healthier and it's I kind of want to get a tattoo of a little like baton running guy on my <laughs> wrist just to remind me. It's it's living in the present. Yes, it's a big part, a big aspect of mindfulness, yeah. and especially Buddhism. Like the past is gone, the yeah. future might never come. Yeah. The only moment we have is the present moment, and it's hard. It is hard. <laughs> it is it hard, is but hard. it takes practice. Um, but yeah. it's more fun if you can live in the present and not oh, yeah. and not judge yourself and just be yourself free in the moment. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah, it is. It's freeing. Yeah. Like you still have like I still have baggage. You probably still have baggage. But like the more you live in the present, the less that baggage weighs you down. Yeah, absolutely. But in the storage locker, just keep it. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, we've been talking for about an hour now. Um, Yeah, yeah, I know (laughs) it goes fast. do you have any concluding thoughts that you'd like to share? Um, I, I do want to throw one more piece of advice out that Please is a little do. bit controversial. Okay. Um, so we've, we've talked a lot about guys and mm-hmm. how their approach to dating is um, sometimes less than ideal. But something I noticed, because um, I run the Instagram account for my social club, is mm-hmm. I, I love to put out little prompts of just yes. like just to question people and get more information so I can inform how I design my events and what I can do better. Which is a great idea. It's so much fun. Yeah. I, I learned so much. But when I was dealing with, uh, I broke up with someone last year and mm. was like thinking about how I lost myself in that sort of interaction. It wasn't a long interaction, but I sort of lost my agency. Yeah. Um, what I learned is that people, a lot of people tend to have lists that are like, they have a list of their needs from a relationship. Um, not a lot of people have that list. A lot of people have a list of their ideal partner though mm-hmm. and what they're looking for mm-hmm. from a relationship. And that was revolutionary to me. I had not, never done that. Never thought I've, of that. I've never, yeah. that's funny because like some of my, uh, one of my really good friends, she actually suggested that I create a list yeah. for my ideal partner. And I don't know, I don't think that's something I can ever do. I can focus on my needs, yeah. but I, 
I don't know. Uh, continue. Yeah, no. So I put up two Instagram prompts. I yeah. said, how many of you have a list of your needs from a relationship? Which is mm-hmm. one that less people have. Not a lot of people responded. Overly, overwhelmingly, it was women. Then I put, um, how many of you have a, a list of your ideal partner? And a lot of people have that. Oh, like mm-hmm. a surprising amount of people have that. And they're all women. Um, like one guy maybe responded. And then a few were like, oh, I should do that. And so I was like thinking about that and I brought this up to my therapist and I was like, well, I, I got to share this data with you. I'm like super yeah. confused by it. Cause like to me, like I think it is important to write that list once and then to never look at it again. And just mm. to give you an idea of extra awareness of, of what you're looking for from a partner, totally fine. But what I ended up seeing is when people sent me some stuff was that like they would go home after a date and they would compare the person they just had a conversation with against their list and oh, see like really? how many like a people, checklist yeah like a checklist of how many did they kind of oh my align with and all that and i was just like if you get like 80 yeah, percent second I date i don't know what the limit is like, <laughs> i don't know if they made any decisions based off that but yeah they like, but they but you actively you've got to imagine that they probably like made some kind of decision off of it i, I mean at I least think, observations I think, a, I think it biases your decision for sure oh for sure yeah um, but i just you can't you can't go through an interaction with someone and then go home and say like, do they match X, Y, Z? You know, those are those preconceived things again of yeah. like what you think you want. And I think it limits your ability to, to interact well with people that maybe are outside of your preconceived notions, but are really good for you. Yeah. And so, and my advice there is just like, if you have one of those lists, don't treat it as a rule book, treat it as like a source of awareness of like, yeah, I would look, I would like people that match this. I'm going to go look for someone who matches this in this area. But when you find the person, don't compare them to the list. Just identify what do you like about that person? What, how do they make you feel? And then go from there. I think that's much more fair. I I totally agree because people are way more complicated than a list. And you may not understand everything that you want to look for in that list. So I think it's, it's the it's your ego getting in the way of your search for for your soul and we love to this year is the year to starve your ego to feed your soul and so if you have a list like that just put it away and you know i one so one thing i was thinking about when you're describing this is that it's easier to it's easier to judge other people and be aware of other people Mm -hmm. than it is to be aware of ourselves and maybe we need to do a little bit deeper dives into our own emotional needs and like what we want out of a relationship, yeah. like what we need out of a romantic relationship. Yeah. That's why that first list is so important. It's so important. And that's the list that I advocate for is mm-hmm. knowing your needs from a relationship. Do they text me back reasonably or do they like to cuddle or do they like, you know, um, satisfy do they, do they affirm me? Do they support yeah. me? Like, are they going to be receptive to when I have, when we have conflict, yeah. can we resolve conflicts like in a, in a yeah, graceful those way? Those are the things that's fair to judge. Yeah. That's how they make you feel. And yeah. In the end, how yeah. they make you feel is going to be, I think a good determiner of how successful of a relationship you'll have. And I think it's so important to write down these needs because you will realize, I realized I can use my other relationships to get some of those needs met. Yes. You can use your friends to help you with, to meet some emotional needs. Absolutely. And like, there are so many, like we should leverage our communities to make ourselves 
more fulfilled and happier people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, I think that's excellent advice. Thank you so much, Lucas. Yeah, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And once again, if you're in Seattle, it's the Seattle Social Club. I'll throw some uh, details on the description and uh, yeah, join in some of the events. They're pretty good times. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for being a part of this conversation. I think there was some great stuff for our listeners and thank you for listening. And as always, embrace your chaos with kindness. Thank you and good night.